What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They can't get them, but you can catch us. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. My name's Tony Dunn. They call me the professor. I'm here with my boy, Cody Lashney. You're looking proud tonight. You're looking proud and kind of loud in some purple and orange. I'm very proud, man. Clemson strong tonight. We are representing, we're previewing another potential Panthers draft pick. My man who helped my Clemson Tigers win not one but two national championships, beating the big bad villain themselves, the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're talking about Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end from Clemson. We have a special guest tonight who also knows a little bit about that as well. I'm ready to do it, Tony. Let's Let's roll, man. Tonight's show is Tigers with Panthers. Oh, my. And that's what we're going to be focusing on as the potential help that the Panthers could receive if they were to draft one of those stud defensive linemen. Those are at least on the forefront of our mind. But there might be other connections to the Clemson Tigers uh, that we can tease out. And we're going to do that tonight with special guests. As long as things still work out, I hope it will. Marcel Louis-Jacques from... Uh, the Charlotte Observer beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. But also, not only is that important because, look, beat writer for Charlotte Observer, doing a great job, kind of new to the Observer in last maybe year or so. But 
uh, we got him not only because he's a beat writer for the Panthers, but more specifically because he was a former beat writer for the Clemson Tigers and has some really close ties, kind of a finger on his pulse of what's been going down there. So that's why he's going to help us try to tease out some of these. So that's going to be the main thrust of our show tonight. Again, the episode's name is Tigers with Panthers. Oh my, it's episode 19.10. And we're glad that you're here to hang out with us and uh, talk about Panthers in this fun, friendly environment. You can continue to be a part of the show by smashing the thumbs up button, subscribing, telling a friend about the show. But we want you to be an actual part of the show. Join in on the chat room. Call the cat calls line at 252-228-5098. And, uh, you know, you can call that anytime live during the show. If I could get to it quick enough before the show's over, I can pull that voicemail up. Or you can leave a voicemail anytime throughout the week um, of things that are on your mind about the Carolina Panthers, and we'll chop it up. What we're trying to do is create an experience where we as fans are hanging out and having a thoughtful conversation, a fun conversation, serious in our topic, but not serious with ourselves here. We have a lot of fun chopping it up with you guys. Let's go ahead and jump into a little bit of that. It might be maybe the deadest I've ever seen the news cycle when it comes to the NFL, really, and the Carolina Panthers specifically. It's so dead. It's such a dead time. It even killed their rival league that was coming about. The AAF died today, it seems, in its eighth week as Tom Dundon pulls the plug and hoodwinks these guys with his his $250 million promise investment that was only 70. He's taking a loss. There's some conspiracy theories floating around out there, but they're closing the doors. The news is so dead it even killed competing football. Cody, right now, I think the most noteworthy thing that has even happened with the Carolina Panthers is that my man Cameron Artis Payne has signed a one-year deal in the last week. We may have even mentioned it in the last show. I can't even remember. Yeah, that's how newsworthy the times are. <laughs> I mean, Cameron Artis Payne, uh, his issue remains on the front of our mind, and uh, we want to talk about him. He doesn't get talked about enough, you know. Uh, I will say this, though, um, you know, it, I, I, and I believe I mentioned this before, uh, and you've said this a ton, that Cameron Artis Payne hasn't really gotten a fair shake, not enough snaps, uh, even when Jonathan Stewart was here. Uh, we haven't, we really don't know what kind of player he is yet. So if there will be a concerted effort this year to take snaps away from McCaffrey and put them on to someone else, then hopefully Cameron's the man for that job. So I, I, I'm happy about it, and um, it's another body on the roster. Uh, I think it's surprised. I certainly am surprised that Cameron Artis Payne will be a Carolina Panther this year. Uh, am I disappointed? Not at all. I do think it's a smart move for the Panthers in that look is that ultimately you don't want to pull uh, Christian McCaffrey off the field except for to protect him, rest him, and, and to do some other things. You really aren't ever putting a back in there who is going to be better than him, it seems like. So going and getting a guy that you're trying to figure out how to do the balance. It didn't work with C.J. Anderson last year. I think with Cameron Artis Payne, he's proven in the limited amount of times that he can run effectively. He's always been a productive runner. 
But I think this shows, too, that where some of the people said he was weak at in the past, that maybe he has made some strides. That is special teams and his effort there. I think there's a familiarity with the organization at this point. Instead of going and getting a, a third-tier running back from another team and kind of integrating him into the staff, into the organization, into the facility, and all of that, is that like Cameron Artis Payne is probably the easy-peasy way of having a guy that you probably won't play. Yeah, absolutely. And even having to spend another draft pick to bring in another player who's wet behind the ears and, you know, coaching him up. I and mean, we have a, a guy that's been with the organization and, I mean, he's he's ready to go, man. And hopefully he's hungry and has something to prove and he can prove himself to be a genuine change of pace back that we would love to have on this team. So, I mean, really, I guess if you want an exciting name, I saw one guy say this, is what – we're getting Cameron Artis Payne back, and we could have had Jay Ajayi or whatever you said. I'm glad he's, I'm glad <laughs> he's not on the team because I'm gonna I'm gonna screw up his name every time. Ajayi, 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 Ajayi. See, I didn't even say it right out of the ten times I tried to pronounce it, and I wasn't <laughs> trying to disrespect my man. But I don't even think I think he's slightly overrated. Uh, I I think he can be effective. He's had some effective times, but really injury prone. I don't know if that would have been a, the great fit. It would have been more towards the salary cap. So Cameron is artist paying, newsworthy, tip of the cap to cap. We, uh, if, if no one else appreciates you, brother, the professor does. Uh, and also, I think it's been such a dead news cycle that even at the forefront, Cam's anti it's been an anticlimactics news cycle. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, anticlimactic, and Cam Newton has led that charge. We have learned a lot about his no climax uh, uh, February. There was Josh Klein from the Roaring Riot. I don't think he ever responded back because I just said that's nasty. Put up a, I thought was a good tweet, uh, April 1 coming in like this, and he had that picture of Cam taking that water bottle and just <laughs> everything. <laughs> that was that was funny uh, right there. I ain't gonna lie, is that he was waiting for uh, and maybe you know what? Maybe it's April. Was which month did he say he was no climax, anti climax? Uh, that was March, all of March. March. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. March. He should have done February because it's the shorter month. We 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 decided that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but at the same time, I love this. First of all, is that Cam Newton makes people crazy. Um, so much so that is that he did have, get in on the April Fool's fun and uh, put out a video. What did what did it sound? What was it, the gist of it, Cody? Uh, I mean, he was basically just saying that you know he believes that it's good for you from time to time to basically not. You know, uh, blow one, <laughs> you know, that's what we're talking about. Uh, so and he was basically saying that the team was doing it with him, uh, McCaffrey, and not doing it with him. yeah, right, they're not doing it with him. Um, uh, and I'm sure there would be a lot of angry, upset girlfriends out there, uh, that also with these professional football players, but I could not imagine going that long i mean come on we're talking about guys here i mean everyone knows what i'm talking about man that's that that's a rough out so i have no doubt in my mind that was an april fool's 
joke to the max. Oh, for all the other ones? Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, until we win the Super Bowl. That was what it was. It was like, until we win the Super Bowl, we are focused. First of all, that would be a lot of pent-up aggression in there. So it would be weird. Yeah, you know those weird, you've seen those weird times in the NFL. What was that one? That one lineman that went and cup checked the guy while he's laying down on the ground, and it was like really weird. And you're like, you're not supposed to touch dudes like that. And these, like, it was just. <laughs> it might have been a college player that did it, I think. But imagine all those yeah. weird things that would be happening uh, eight months from now. For me, the funny thing about this is that first is I I find it to be so ridiculous that people are talking about it so much and you know what we've talked about it two weeks in a row on the show three weeks maybe one for me is this though is everybody on the internet acting like this is so insane and like they couldn't do this and man i'm like y'all jokers don't get laid period half of y'all jug jackets <laughs> yeah. you just didn't make a pack to not get laid your problem your problem of not getting laid is not getting laid that's just me that's what i think 100%. but over that is that um, it looks at, I tell you one thing is imagine having the beach bod of Christian McCad McCaffrey. I saw a picture of him. Uh, what he's doing is doing this workout, like, and he's like chiseled and looks like he's on roids essentially. And then I saw another video of my man, Windmill Duncan. Yeah, man, that McCaffrey has ups. I mean, real ups. A homeboy can hoop. Uh, and hey man, listen, everyone's been sleeping on. I mean, not everyone, not us, not everyone in the chat room. We know what my, what my man's capable of, but I feel like now, you know, the media at large is starting to understand Christian's the real deal, man. He is a, a high level athlete, and um, I mean, this is what he does, man. He does it for a living, and uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, he's another Luke. The women love him, you know, they absolutely love him. Well, they they fawn over McCaffrey. They should. They should. I love him. And I tell you this is I've learned uh I've learned to appreciate him and think and more highly of him than I ever expected him to be. So uh hats off to that. All right, we still got a couple of minutes. I guess Marcel's still on the way. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to C three Panthers Podcast, uh, where we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions. Let's go ahead and jump into your favorite segment leading up to the draft. Better get to know a Panthers draft pick, potential draft pick. And this week on the docket is Cleveland Furl. Cleveland Furl, my man, like I said, helped us win two championships against Alabama. And, man, his first step off the line is dominant. And that's how he's going to win most of his sets. You know, the the draft media are, are trying to push him down the board by saying he's not bendy enough or he's not athletic enough. And that's all right. If you have other moves to complement that, you can still be a dominant defensive end on that level. And Cleveland Farrell has such a high-end first step that he's able to get to the back foot of the offensive tackle before the tackle even has time to slide. He's a powerful young man. He uses his arms effectively to be able to shed blocks, move into the backfield. Uh, uh, ten and a half sacks this last year for Clemson. And he's a badass. He never, ever gives up pursuit on the play. And he was a part of a dominant defensive line for Clemson. And, you know, I know we're looking at moving to a 3-4 front, doing some more of that kind of stuff. And I have no doubt that he will be able to stand up 
and you know be able to do some of the three four outside linebacker stuff. But his dominant film is with the hand in the dirt, a four three edge rusher. That's what my man does, and it diagnoses the plays well. He knows where the ball is moving to. He knows how to diagnose the run, and he knows how to get into the backfield on those third downs uh, to blow up the play. I think he's a dominant day one starter for the Panthers. All right, so has his draft stock improved or has it slid since the kind of the the national championship as well as um, the combine, into the combine, all of that? Has he got, was he the, what, it was Sweat that had the heart thing, right? That yeah, also Sweat had, had the heart problem. And, and then Farrell has an issue of turf toe that apparently he's been dealing with oh, for yeah. a little while now. Um, but it's, it's something that isn't a red flag. Um, it's something that he dealt with uh, at the end of the season. But he was still able to dominate Jonah Williams in the national championship. So um, I, I'm not worried about that at all. He never missed a snap for Clemson. And uh, he's a dependable player. You're never going to have to worry about him taking a playoff. Or you're never going to have to worry about him um, not being available. He, he will be there to play for the Panthers. All right. It uh, looks like Marcel Louis Jacques is in the room, folks. If you could go ahead and bring him in, Cody, uh, we All will right. talk. We'll see how this. Let's see. Sometimes it's first time using the software. Marcel, do we have you on the line? Up. Oh, hold on. Give it a second. It takes a second. <laughs> yeah. We're impatient. Connecting. Connecting. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Come on, baby. Come on, data stream. <laughs> As we wait for that connection to come, I saw Cleveland Furl, Furl, uh listed at uh, 265. Marcel, Louis Jacques, Charlotte Observer, do we got you on the line, my friend? Think so. Still. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey, there, there he go. is. I was uh, never used this before. That's kind of uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> my name's too. Tony Dunn. My name's Tony Dunn. This is my co-host, Cody Lashney. Thank you for joining the C3 Panthers podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Cody, it's good to hear from y'all. Yeah, we man. know you had a dinner date and you were coming in. Uh, coming in. We appreciate you making the time. Um, I was uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I did hey, listen honestly, to it three times. <laughs> hey, man, you nailed it. Believe me, like you have been far from the worst pronunciation thus far. You got it better than Max Kellerman did. And uh, <laughs> nice. I, I appreciate the first day shout out and all that. But uh, <laughs> nah, man, you're, you're straight, man. I appreciate that. All right, so we got you on first. Well, 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 congratulations, A. It seems like this is Arizona State University grads are taking over the Charlotte Observer um, and that you're the newest addition, along with Jordan, a young team now. But really, uh, I think that's a great thing because you guys are really pounding the pavement over there. So congratulations for your, your work at the Observer. And uh, I know you've been having a blast doing it. Oh, absolutely, man. It, it's, it's crazy to see something go full circle with somebody that you've known for almost a decade, like, like myself and Jordan have. And, you know, in a land of, of Tar Heels and Wolfpack and, and Demon Deacons, you know, we got to show people that ASU is really out here. Like, we really got that national reach. And so well, it, it's, you, uh, you guys it's are great. doing it. It's great. You guys are doing it. 
We brought you on the A because first, this is the longest running. We are proud of this. Is we've been doing this podcast for six full seasons now. Fifty every Tuesday night. We haven't missed a Tuesday since 2013. Um, and yeah, and talk about building the grassroots. Boy, this has come a long way from us. We, we're first of all, we're jokers, and we we like to have a good time, but we have tried to build a community here. So we brought you in here, A, because of your expertise with the Carolina Panthers, your close relationship to that organization. This is a Panthers podcast, obviously. But more importantly, for tonight's show, because what we've been doing as we've been inching up to the draft is kind of previewing a potential player who is uh, approaching the draft. It looks like we're having some slight connectivity issues. He might have to refresh or uh, – there we go. Um, so what we've been doing each and every week has been kind of previewing a, a prospective player who is could fit with the Carolina Panthers. And we know from your connection, formerly a beat writer with um, covering the Clemson Tigers, that's why we brought you on tonight. Because, Cody, tell them who you've had your eyes on for the Carolina Panthers in round one. So, yeah, Marcel, tonight I've been previewing – Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end for the Clemson Tigers. And this is someone I know that you've kind of got to know well in your time working uh, on the beat for Clemson. And, uh, I, I mean, I am of the mindset that he's a day one starter for the Panthers. Um, giant shoes to fill with Julius Peppers uh, leaving the organization. But just tell me what, you know, from your mindset, um, how about you've gotten to know, I mean, Cleveland, but also – that Clemson defensive line and just how dominant they were the past two or three years. I'm not going to lie there. It's a little choppy. I couldn't hear exactly what you're saying. I, I'm I, hear, I can tell somebody who's talking, but I'm, I'm guessing you're – and Tony, if you want to relay this, I'm guessing that that prospect is Cleveland Farrell, correct? Yes. Is that and, – and so, Cody, go ahead and refresh your screen. If you can hear me, Marcel, he's asking this with – because you've covered – he sees uh, Cleveland Farrell as a potential day one starter, uh, not only in the NFL, but as a good fit w- with the Carolina Panthers and in a team that has lost Julius Peppers and that needs help on this defensive line. With you and your relationship with the team, knowing this kind of him as, a, as an individual, as a player, how do you see him kind of translating to the NFL maybe with the Panthers, or just maybe some overall, some of the talent from the Clemson line coming into this draft? Yeah, I, I want to start with the off-the-field stuff because I think that is it's impeccable, especially for this organization that's taken so much time to curate the locker room uh, full of high-character and high-quality individuals, and Cleveland Farrell is a high-character kind of guy. I spoke with his defensive line coach, for example, and back at Clemson, before games, they would go over to Anderson and they, as a team, would go to the movie theater and see whatever latest came out, yada, yada. And uh, Todd Bates told me that he remembers on one occasion specifically that when the entire team had cleared out, he went back in there to make sure nobody was behind. And Cleveland Farrell was there by himself picking up trash and making sure that the theater was in a better condition then he found it. And that comes from his military background. Both parents uh, have military experience. This is a disciplined kid. This is a guy who's not going to get in trouble. You don't have to worry about him once he leaves the facility. And that's before he gets on the field. Now, on the field, he is highly productive. He's highly intelligent. He's a guy who played 
in a system at Clemson where he was challenged every day, where he was asked to do a lot of things everywhere, week in and week out against some of the best offensive players in the country as well. And so you're right. Good. He is a day one starter, especially uh, especially in Carolina, where apart from Mario Addison or opposite of Mario Addison, you don't have a guy right now that you can say is a bona fide starter, that he is a replacement level starter. So I think he's one of the guys, he's one of several guys in this first round who could come in and immediately make an impact. And I don't think him falling to 16 is any sort of testament against his on-field ability. I think that guys like Brian Burns and Montez Sweat have just have done so much this pre-draft season to boost their stock in some teams' eyes that some teams may reach a little farther. Uh, Sweat in particular, who's still a little unpolished, could be a great player, but a little unpolished. And uh, meanwhile, Farrell has... He could be a great tight end, by the way. (laughs) Montez Sweat, oh my goodness. (laughs) Pick a position and what is he not going to do well? Play both sides of the ball, damn it. Uh, I mean, I mean, a four-four-one at that size. Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. My question is, what about this? Is does the foot? How did the foot and the turf toe? Do you think that this factors into people's evaluation? Because I know that's not a major injury, but it is one of those injuries that's like, gosh, they're like, oh, he'll be better in four weeks, and then two months later, they're still talking about the damn toenail falling off or whatever. Look, man, turf toe happens. These guys know how to play through it. He played through damn near the entire last season with it. He can do it again is the impression that I'm under. Uh, this isn't a groin. Uh, this isn't a hamstring. It's not soft tissue. It's not something that's going to deter people away. It's not a, it's, it's, it's not a heart issue it's, or, or, or something. Or, uh, something what, that's gonna which really, Sweat does have, I think. I don't know have. if it's important. I don't I mean, know how big cleared, it is. He was cleared at Mississippi State. He was clear to participate in the combine, but it's something that's really hard to get out of your head. You know, well, I mean? you know, Star Latulale. If you go back to 2012, Star Latulale was a top five pick who dropped to the Panthers at 13 because they heard a murmur because he had a cold or something at the combine. Uh, it later came out that it wasn't even a condition, but like he was sick. And like, you know how you get your heart like gets racing sometimes or something. And, and that affected it. So these teams are not immune uh, to just saying we trust the doctors all the time. Sometimes psychologically it does fit into to things. But also that 40 time shot him up into the top 10. There ain't no way you can ignore that. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be a team that it's impossible to ignore that at 260. And, and I got to say, this is uh, I went to the Senior Bowl uh, a couple months ago. It was my, my first time there. And uh, treated me to the underlined the most uncomfortable journalism experience of my life, and that is the the weigh in on day one before practices starts. And it is literally in an exhibit hall. They bring these guys up on stage in spandex bottoms, where they measure how tall they are, and then they take their weight. And which is like it's weird enough to watch. Don't get me wrong, but like the weirdest part is the silence in the room. Nobody's talking. Or, or like, just like hurried whispers. Like, <laughs> I was sitting there. It, it's like seven in the morning. I'm like, why am I here? This is a. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm just looking at at guys parade across the, the stage. A couple guys, though. A couple guys stood out. Montez Sweat was one of them. That guy is every bit two sixty, and I don't know if there's a, an ounce of fat on his body, man. This is a a 
a really special athlete, a really physically put together athlete. And to put that kind of speed on the field, as soon as he gets a little bit of that technique shored up, which if he falls to Carolina and Eric Washington can get his fingers into him, then I, I think this guy can turn into something special. I just don't think that – I don't think a team – there's going to be a team that doesn't want to take a top 10 pick or spend a top 10 pick uh, on that kind of potential. Marcel, we'll try this one more time. Hopefully I won't break up terribly. There we go. Yeah, man, but um, I mean, we're talking about Farrell tonight, but, man, that defensive line was so loaded. I'd be remiss if I didn't get your your thoughts and opinions on all of these guys. And uh, another guy that I've, I've seen kind of slip down the draft boards because they feel he might not be a third down pass rushing defensive tackle. When you also factor in um, he wasn't able to perform in the college football playoffs. And that's Dexter Lawrence. And the man is a monolith. I mean, 200, uh, over 342 pounds. I mean, he is a dominant run defender. You know, Judge John, one, your interview is with him and, and how you've known him over the years. How did you feel he transitioned into the NFL on, on Sundays? Like Dexter Lawrence is six foot five, 340 pounds. There is a place for him in the NFL, no matter where you want to put him on the, uh, in the trenches. But he is quicker and a lot more athletic than you would think by just looking at his size, uh, by looking at his size on paper. And like you said before, the, the, the Austrian tests and uh, his perceived, uh, his, his limited, uh, I, I guess, potential, perceived limited potential has right. him falling down these draft boards. But this is a guy who at one point, everybody had going top five, top three, maybe one, number one overall. Like he's every bit that talented. He's freaky yeah. strong. I, I think he could play a one or a three technique as well. And he insists he can do the same. Sam. He just wasn't necessarily asked to do it all and to be the guy at Clemson because they had three other three other guys who could be the guy. Yeah. So, no, he is – but, man, if you see this guy in Those person, he is the Wilfork. biggest person I've ever seen in my life. Those are Vince Wilfork figures. Hey, oh, oh, and he's no Vince Wilfork, man. This is a uh, – Vince, you can tell, like, oh, yeah, that's you, – you can see where those 340 pounds are. No offense, Vince. Please don't come after me if you see this. But uh, Dexter, man, that's a – he's a pretty – like I said, a, a really well-put-together guy, especially for 340 pounds. There's not a lot of unnecessary weight there. And given his production and given his talent on the field, he really knows how to use it. There was unnecessary weight with Vince, though, in that not unnecessary. They felt it was necessary. The best story about Vince Wilfork is that he got an injury. He had like a leg injury or foot injury, and he was actually losing weight while he was injured. And so they woke him up at 4 o'clock in the morning and like stuffed 12 eggs down his gullet and then let him go back to bed. Good Lord. I mean, could you, you see all these stories about like Joe Thomas. Have you seen Joe Thomas lately? Yeah. He's shredded, I mean, he's like, <laughs> like once you leave the NFL and you don't have to eat like 17,000 calories per meal, then all of a sudden you start looking like a regular human being. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince was like, you know what? I want to stop being this big. And he could probably do it like that. But no, Dexter. And, like, and the cool thing about Dexter Lawrence as well is uh, his sophomore year, he basically played on one foot. He had nerve damage in his foot. Uh, it's something that we didn't know until spring camp or fall camp uh, this past season that he was just playing, like I said, on one foot, he couldn't feel that thing down there. Uh, and so fully healthy, 
uh, this guy's going to be – he's going to be something to behold. I think uh, if he falls out of the first round, then whoever gets him in that second round just got the steal of the draft, and I don't care how the rest of it plays out. More with Marcel Louis-Jacques from the Charlotte Observer after this. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, his playing with injuries, and that kind of brings me to someone that really doesn't, in my mind, get talked about enough, and that's Austin Bryant. And, you know, people have him as a as a day three player, but, man, when you look at um, – I don't remember the, the specificity of the injury that he played through at the end of the season for Clemson, but the fact that Austin played hurt at the end of the season – and then put up better numbers, even with the hurt shoulder, that says a lot about him. Do you feel that would be another player that could benefit the Panthers' defensive line if we drafted him maybe in the you know third or fourth round? I do, and I, I've been on the Austin Bryant train since really this draft speculation season began, uh, especially since you can address a need on the offensive line in the first round if they see fit. And then you can wait until one of your two third-round picks to grab a guy like Austin Bryant, who put up numbers that are on par with Cleveland Farrell. Not quite on that same tier, but on par. And uh, it's a guy, he, he, he improved his production this past year, playing through a pectoral muscle doctor said was completely torn off the bone. And yeah. nobody knew about that. Nobody outside of Clemson knew about that until January. And that goes for NFL writers. And, and I've spoken with people on the Clemson beat as well. Who, when they heard it, it was news to them because you couldn't tell. And that's really important to him. The, 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 the heart and the toughness to play through that. Austin said, he's told me on a couple occasions that that's what teams really respect more than the fact, uh, more than whatever numbers he would put up in a drill at the combine or during his pro day. They watch the film and they see, okay, this is what we're getting. And this is what this guy is willing to do, uh, no matter the circumstances. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a believer in Austin Bryant. Uh, I think he's, he's still a second team All-American. Like this is a really quality yeah. player that a lot of guys don't talk about nationally because of the popularity of Farrell, of Lawrence, of Christian Wilkins. And, you know, you also, uh, you know, we already mentioned the first three. We might as well uh, bring up the the final uh, infinity stone here, and that's uh, Christian <laughs> Wilkins. And, you know, Ron Rivera has been saying that we're going to incorporate some more uh, three, four fronts. Do you think that the um, – let me put it to you this way. What do you think of, you know, Christian Wilkins basically playing a defensive end for Carolina? And do you think that he might fit the evolution of what Ron Rivera is trying to have this defense look like in 2019? He could. And the, the, the word of the year this year is, is versatility. And yeah. uh, that goes into this multiple front system. And, and Christian Wilkins is a guy – all-American at defensive tackle, all-American at defensive end. So he can play either position on the line or wherever you want him to. And uh, I think that he's worth consideration at that 16th pick if he's on the board. At the same time, though, because they are believe, they do have a, a lot of faith in what uh, players are at defensive tackle right now. They still believe in KK. They still believe that year two of Don Terry Poe is going to bring some positive, uh, some positivity 
I don't think that Christian Wilkins ends up in Carolina. Uh, he checks a lot of the boxes, but because of what they already have on roster and they still want to bring Kyle Love back as well, I don't think that he ends up there. I think that guys like Cleland and, and Austin who could you know, put their hand in the dirt and maybe drop back at outside linebacker, uh, I think that adds a little more value to what, uh, what Ron and Eric Washington are, are, are trying to do this year. But whoever does get Christian Wilkins is, is going to get a quality person. And uh, that's, that's more, arguably more important than what they're getting as a player. Uh, he's a guy who could probably turn the locker room around, who believes he can turn the locker room around. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen anything on or off the field to suggest that he won't do that. Really strong YouTube audience tonight. Over 44 people watching all the entire show so far. Shout out to you guys. I got some questions for you right here. Number one, Lynn. By the way, Lynn, who is like a royalty, legacy line Lynn, <laughs> is royalty among Panther fans. She's met Christian McCaffrey before. They've hosted and serenaded her at the, at the stadium. She asked this. She said, have the Panthers met with any of these prospects that we've discussed uh, from the Clemson, Clemson line. Yeah. And it, it counts as their local visit. So it doesn't count against their 30, uh, their, their pre-drafts. But yeah, I think the, the Panthers have a lot of, this isn't, I think the, the Panthers have a lot of interest in, in this defensive line. Uh, I know Marty Herney uh, was, was at their pro day a couple of weeks back along with Eric Washington and their director of scouting tomorrow. And uh, I, they've been in town. I just, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get many hopes up. I wouldn't get my hopes up as a Panthers fan and a Clemson, or if I were a Panthers and Clemson fan on Christian Wilkins or Dexter Lawrence coming to town or even Albert Huggins. But I think Cleveland Farrell is a very real possibility at number 16. I think Austin Bryant is a very real possibility in the, uh, at one of those third round picks or possibly a fourth round pick, depending on how, how the overall board looks. But, uh, but yeah, these guys have come to town. We uh, we told you we'd only keep you for 15 minutes. I do want to squeeze a couple more out of you if I could get you. And this, let's turn our let's turn our attention to Carolina's offseason as a whole. The Panthers, uh, you know, they landed a blue chip uh, offensive lineman in Matt Paradis and replacing Matt Khalil. Uh, they they cut Ryan Khalil. I mean uh, Matt Khalil, excuse me. Um, and in, in what was, I think, a stunner of a move and were able to get Daryl Williams. No one saw that coming. And, and then they rounded out this free agency period with, you know, kind of padding that defensive line with a Bruce Irvin, bringing in some experience. But all of these surprises, what I think is a positive offseason, really started before any of this with the extension or the main, maintaining of Eric Reed, particularly when safeties have gotten stupid money in free agency. So right now, how do you see the Panthers uh, kind of heading into the draft and how they handled this free agency period and what, you know, what trends or patterns, your just kind of overall thoughts? Uh, well, you look at what, like you said, what they've done, and they're, they're checking every single box that, they need this offseason. You need to strengthen that offensive line. Okay, replace a future Hall of Famer with a potential pro bowler this year. Uh, bring back a guy who was almost a sure bet, I, a sure bet to leave. I, I think I just said something. I forget which station it was. I think I just said 
not to expect Darrell Williams back. And half an hour later, we get the notification. And so that <laughs> Nobody is. Nobody saw that coming. No that's one the saw life, that right? So I, I, I think that, that strengthens your offensive line. Bringing in Bruce Irvin gives you two things. It gives you on-field production, and it gives you veteran leadership and mentorship in that locker room so that whoever you bring in after him can still carry those similar traits and, still, and, and can still learn from him and build from what he's, he's laying down. But what this does is it truly puts them in a position to take the best player available in that first round. And that's not uh, and, and, and that's something that, that's truly a blessing because so often teams are trapped or feel trapped into drafting for a position of need that they'll reach and they'll grab somebody that, you know, is nowhere near the best player available. And they think that they have to take them instead of maybe trading back or just waiting to get a, a, a different character, a different guy. So offensive and defensive line, you can almost lock bets. That's what they're taking in the first round. Uh, I'm sorry, DK Metcalf lovers. That's not happening. <laughs> uh, as much as I'd love to see it in the first round. He was the hair, other man. He was the other man that everybody got quiet and giddy about when he came into that weight room. Oh, the, he's for real. <laughs> Saw him at the combine. The, the guy's for real. But it's not happening. Uh, Nikhil Harry, man, that's that's my guy. You know, I'm my Arizona State grad. That's uh, that's my boy. But not in the first round. Probably not in the second round, which means not ever. Uh, free safety, not in the first round. I would expect fully an edge rusher or an offensive lineman. So guys like Cleveland, guys like Brian Burns, Rashawn Gary, if he falls, Montez Sweat, possibly if he falls, um, Andre Dillard, Cody Ford is a name uh, I brought up a couple times, but that people should be more aware of because of his ability to play both outside and inside on the offensive line. Who's more surprising of, uh, of a sign in this free agency period, period, the Matt Paradis or the Daryl Williams? Because, you know, all, all, and maybe this is just Panther fans is that we always just say like, we can't afford anybody. We can't get anybody. We're never going to get anybody good. We're never going to, and we never do. Except until we did. Until we did. This was probably the best free agent period fit for our team, I think, out of anybody. I mean, you pick any position. This is one that fills a giant hole going into the draft A that brings you great a, a great replacement right away this season. But is that that addition more surprising or is Daryl Williams more stunning? Uh, I think the Darrell Williams one is more surprising because the Matt Paradis one, uh, it it made sense ultimately. It, it made sense for the money that they got him for, but the Darrell Williams one was just like, dude, this guy. I, I thought he was out the door. Uh, the the talks had stalled last year. Uh, I don't think they they seemed borderline irreparable, and to bring him in on that kind of cheap, you know, prove it type deal was. Just, uh, I mean, that's a blessing for Panthers fans. That's a blessing for the team, and of course for for Cam Newton. So, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I was, I was pretty on board the Garrett Bradbury train in the first round. Uh, he had built up a ton of hype uh, from the Senior Bowl and the Combine, and he seemed like a, a really perfect fit. But if you can get a proven commodity like Matt Paradis, then why wouldn't you? So, uh, and much uh, cheaper. Much cheaper in free agency, even though it was a top-tier free agent. It's not like you went and got a high-end defensive end that was going to cost you $20 million a year. You know, you still got an elite player 
and it didn't just crush your calf right away. Exactly. No, they, I think this has been a it, it's been a stellar offseason from Marty Herney thus far. Uh, I would expect the same. He he knocked last year's draft out of the park. Uh, he hasn't shown a lot to suggest that he won't do the same this year, but uh, y- you know, time will only tell. We got three days at the end of the month to let us know. But he's off to a great start this offseason. It seems like he's he's really he's almost a completely different general manager in the decision that he's making thus far here. Well, uh, if you're looking for us, if you're looking for a story to write, when the time is dead, right before you're getting overworked, here's the story to write <laughs> is Marty Herney has been fantastic in the draft period. He's had two errors in his career. One in like around 2008, 2009, 2010, like this last little leg, he was not solid all the way through the draft. He had some a couple of errors in the mid rounds and some different things, and he had some contractual stuff. But if you go back and look at his drafts, my man never misses in the first round. So whoever he drafts in the first round is going to be golden. And anybody that wants to talk about crap about Jeff Ota not being a fantastic pick, he was a fantastic player. He was just a giant man that had a foot problem. Uh, so I'm telling you, go back and you dissect you dissect Marty Herney's drafts, man. They are impressive. His kind of blue whale or white whale, white whale, I think is this the the anal- is the term, is he cannot get two receivers on the field together that work great. Never since Smitty and Moose has he been able to replicate a duo like that. He's tried and tried and tried. We're hoping that it's Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, maybe in a different vein, a different style. But that's your story right there on Marty Herney. Cody, go ahead. Last questions firing for Marcel. Yeah, myself. I just want to know, going into 2019, is there a player that you're excited the most about seeing take the next step and really having a, a banner year in, in 2019? Yeah, and you just said his name uh, 10 seconds ago. That's that's Curtis Samuel. Uh, the hype around DJ Moore, if you're paying attention, you know DJ Moore uh, it could be a true wide receiver one. Uh, Thank the, you. The Thank talk you. about Devin Funches losing – it, it almost cracks me up when you read these these you know these articles. Uh, what what does X team need to do in the offseason? What hole do they need to fix? Oh, the Panthers lost Devin Funches. They lost Devin Funches in like week twelve. Like Devin yeah. wasn't playing more than thirty percent of the snaps after that Detroit game, and they did just fine on offense. So I, that wasn't the problem, I guess. That's what that's not why they were losing games. So DJ Moore is going to be a wide uh, a wide receiver one. But Curtis Samuel, if you pay attention, anytime he touched the ball, something happened. He, he did something with it. And for him to stay on the field over the course of a full season and for him to get a true workload, I, I think that he can really turn a lot of heads. And from a fantasy standpoint, if y'all are fantasy players, he's definitely worth one of your, you know, a 14th round pick, give or take. Sign a kicker, draft, draft Curtis Samuel. But, uh, no, that's a guy who I'm excited to see uh, in this upcoming season. Ian Thomas as well. If Greg Olson isn't healthy, Ian put up numbers that were right on par with some of the best tight ends in the league over his first couple weeks uh, as that number one option at tight end. He's a big body. He's learned from one of the greatest to ever do it. And with a healthy cam, this offense can really be scary, and he can be a reason why. Uh, Cody, uh, gosh, I was dying. I dying. I'm trying to find it real quick before he leaves. We have a uh, Devin Funches. Where is it? I can't find it on my computer. Dang it. We had Devin Funches <laughs> on the podcast. And he doesn't know it. 
He doesn't know it. We got uh, I um, Devin Funches is a um, we've been following him closely since he was drafted and his rookie year in an interview. Poor kid. He was only 18 or whatever. Not poor kid. I've just been making fun of him since he was 18 because he was asked what his favorite food was. And he was like, I don't really like to eat that much. And I was like, what do you mean? I ain't ever heard 18 year old kids say they don't like to eat that much. That's weird. But second, he goes, "Uh, okay, salad. And we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, as I've always been picking on him about this a little bit, he leaves. And uh, have you heard of that website called Cameo.com? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's brilliant. Whoever's making money behind it is a genius. Oh, well, you know, it's also brilliant for a little podcast like us who paid Devin Funches 15 bucks to settle a dispute between me and my wife about whether we should have the house salad or the Caesar salad at a party we were having. So he doesn't know that he was on our podcast and he settled that. But he came on and he said, hey, Tony, go with the house salad. Oh, see, yeah, and I disagree. <laughs> I'd go Caesar salad, but no, I agree. <laughs> I think I think it's a very simple. Yeah, I think it's a very sophisticated, elegant salad. Uh, but, yeah, uh, thank you, Cameo.com. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, look, Marcel, Louis Jacques, Show Observer, thank you so much. I know we kept you over the time we asked. We really appreciate it. And what we really hope is we could get you back on in the future. Not, I mean, we, we try not to bother people too much. We've had Jordan on in the past. We've had Bill Voth on in the past. Uh, we're trying to get, you know, but we like to cycle people. We know you guys are busy. But people respect what you guys, you got your ear to the ground, you're tuned in, locked in, and there were the people that are reading your stories day in, day out, paying for the digital subscriptions. We do do it. I do it. I pay for the digital subscription. Just the sports one, though. I get the sports (laughs) one only because I don't live in Charlotte. But thank you, Marcel Louis-Jacques. Tell them how they can follow you on Twitter. All right, on Twitter, it's at Marcel underscore LJ. Uh, I know I'm not really on Instagram or, or, or all these other accounts, but I put a lot of content on, on my on my Twitter, both Panthers and just me related. So you get a good idea that I'm not just a, as you can see, I'm not just a bot or I'm not just the, you know, someone hammering away at, on a notepad or, or a computer, real person at Marcel underscore LJ. Appreciate the follow. I interact, man. Like I, I love the engagement. I love it. Love or the hate. Whatever I get, I, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for reading. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, anybody else wants to, Sports Pass and CharlotteObserver.com. Very affordable. You get your money. Yeah, you worth. get the Raleigh one too. You, you get know? the Raleigh. You get the one. I got the one where I get the Raleigh and the Charlotte. And uh, this is the only I pay for that. And I did pay for the athletic uh, just so that maybe Joe would come on one time. <laughs> I got nothing bad to say about Joe or the athletic. I know some great people that work there as well. But he got spiky hair. That's what I said. Man. Hey, look, we, we work hard. We, we're doing this for y'all. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're doing this so that y'all can be, everybody watching, reading, can be as informed as possible. So uh, we appreciate it when you appreciate us. It's, uh, you know, it's how the world goes around. I see legacy lines. Just probably appreciate whoever that is, if that's coming from here. That, that's Lynn. That's Lynn. I'm telling you, go look up the story. Lynn's husband passed away unexpectedly, and they hosted – she came to a Carolina Panthers – she lives in Los Angeles. She came to a Carolina Panthers game, and Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey serenaded her at the stadium. They played dueling pianos and played – uh, what was it? It was uh, sta- uh, stand by me, and that oh, like it, 
Yeah, it's wonderful. So you can go back and Google that, and you'll see her. She's a she's a legend. She's a great person. Um, yeah, and uh, I tell you one thing: is everybody that follows the C Three Panthers podcast will follow you and bug you and ask you, <laughs> who have they met with this week? Hey, please do, please do, man. Like it's this is the time of year, especially to do it because uh, you know life, like you said, is about to get hectic in about two or three weeks. Uh, right now, it's almost like uh, I feel like uh, like Ricky Bobby after he won that first race. Like I, I don't know what to, <laughs> what to do with my hands lately, man. Like uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not loving the slow period. So man, hit me with the questions, please. I'm telling you, like I I engage as I, whenever I see it. Uh, I love the discussion. I love to clap back too. If you really want about if you're about that smoke, then you know we can we can go back and forth like that too. But uh, hey. hey, you know what it All is. Right. But uh, hey, appreciate y'all having me on once again. This is a great time. And uh, anytime you need me back, just let me know. This was thank you. This was way You're more fan- convenient than I thought. The the, yeah. the, app, the phone app. <laughs> oh yeah, it's dope, man. Uh, this has got we got the hookup right now. We appreciate it, man. We'll be in touch with you. That's Marcel Louis Jacques, Charlotte Observer. Thanks again. We're gonna go ahead and move on now. Um, all right, Cody. That's Marcel. Louis Jacques, Charlotte Observer, cool. Really, a lot of insight here on the on the Clemson Tigers. What we saw there with the defensive line. Uh, what are the questions? I didn't want to just keep asking question after question after question. I wanted to say this: is that has there is there ever going to be a, a defensive line? Have we ever seen a defensive line with the Clemson Tigers that's like could potentially everybody go in the first round? Well, right, and it wouldn't be everyone in the first round because like we're saying, Austin Bryant is a player. That'll probably jump in the into the third and fourth rounds, um, but I mean there are potentially three defensive linemen that are all going to go in the first round: and Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, and Cleveland Farrell, um, Farrell rather. And uh, they're all bad boys, man. They're incredible at what they do. And I mean they they won two national championships and beat Alabama doing it. Alabama recruits the best offensive linemen in the country. Jonah Williams is probably the best offensive tackle in this year's draft on the left side at least um i mean they are they're dominant football players and there's been a lot of people that have kind of been harsh on them and that's what happens man people you know that they, they run through these players and they try and analyze their upside and their downside so sometimes their their down their negative traits are harped on even more um and um you know but i, I honestly do feel that that these guys are going to be awesome contributors, um, and and I would I would love to have any one of them on our, on our football team. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. Uh, we're going to jump next to the cat calls line. That is where you can be a part of this show, interact and uh, and call into the show and leave a voicemail twenty four seven all throughout the week. The number is two five two. 228-5098, where you can have your voice heard on the longest-running, most interactive Panthers podcast. We are celebrating ourselves here for that moment. We had a great guest. We ask you to subscribe, thumbs up, follow, share, help grow Panther Nation together. Here we go. So what are your thoughts on catcalls? Yeah, you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... All right. 
I didn't put the clip it together, so it's hey, going to uh, be a little. Hey, Jeremy here. It's been a while. Uh, sorry, been away. Uh, I'll give you guys a call. Um, put my input on free agency. Uh, artist, however you say his name, great signing. Really, really, really happy about that. Um, getting Reed back on board was great. Uh, only thing I'm worried about is the wide receiver side of the ball. Uh, I don't know what our plan is there. I mean, DJ is amazing, and Samuel's starting to shine, but we need that big wide receiver for Camus Frank. Throw to, and that's not Tory Smith. Um, but I really need to call in, get your guys' opinion on the new rule the NFL just passed, because I think it's stupid. The uh, ability to review pass interference. Um, I don't like it. Let, let it play. It's part of the game when referees make mistakes and it's called. It sucks, but want your info on that see what you guys think. You know, I think I wanted to bring this up at the last show, and I don't know if we did or not, but um, we just changed for a minute. And um, now let's just say this is uh, okay. Let's first start with this: is the wide receiver. We have not seen any. I have not seen any focus on the Carolina Panthers taking wide receiver. There's been zero discussion of it. Um, I think there has been sort of a belief among the Carolina Panther fans is there's so many other needs uh, that we would be just disheartened if we saw even a, a good wide receiver taken at somewhere in the draft. But to me, the fact that it is so silent and quiet and sneaky means it's going to happen. Now, I'm not saying round one, but hey, maybe this does happen in round three or something like this. Round four, maybe I'm okay with that a little bit, but how do you see the Panthers trying to move on uh, after this draft, maybe maybe they just kind of see who's there, and if nobody's great there, then they go and get. Uh, they just say we roll with Tory Smith or, or go get somebody that's kind of on the back end of their career in free agency at the end. Well, I'm of the mindset that it better be Tory Smith uh, for another five million dollars for a year, and I know you and I differ on that. But there are a lot of players that that you're not hearing about necessarily that are the type of players that have the potential to be great football players uh, later on down the road. Hakeem Butler, uh, we've talked about him a little bit, the wide receiver out of Iowa State, long, tall, big body catch radius, probably a a higher upside version of what Devin Funches was supposed to be. Um, You know, Miles Boykin is there. There are a lot of receivers that, you know, you're not hearing necessarily unless you have the ear to the ground on this stuff. But there's definitely some players uh, that are going to be available uh, later on for us to be able to grab. As far as the rule change, I've had some time to think about it. And I don't know, man. I, I just We're going to have to see how it's implemented. The, my only fear, and I think this is the fear that most people share, is now you're going to over-officiate everything. Every time there's a play that should have been a pass interference or wasn't a pass interference. And nobody like, oh, we got lucky with one. You know, now they're going to be throwing flags on it. And, you know, I, will there be over-officiating? I don't know. I think that's what everyone's afraid of. Um, it just depends on how stingy referees are with it. Okay. Um, when it comes to over-officiating, I think one of the problems with technology is that it allows us to overdo it. So what I mean by this is sometimes I, I think that the catch rule has been so difficult for people, for the NFL to articulate and for them to adequately apply 
not because looking and seeing what a catch really is, is that hard or even explaining it is that hard. But when you slow something down that is going like a hundred a mile an hour crash, you know what I'm saying? And you slow it down to the slowest thing is like, is that one blade of grass inbounds or out of bounds? I think that is where it can be over-officiated. And that is, I almost say, hey, there's like a minimum speed. Like, is that we, I won't say you can't look at it in slow speed, but really the final judgment should be like, let's look at this in, in normal time and try to make an authentic decision on that. The other thing, though, is is that ultimately one of the things that has been uh, wor- the NFL has been concerned about in kind of the slippery slope of over officiating is they don't want the games to be any longer, right? Yeah. Is that the games they don't want the games to slow down, uh, but they also don't want ever you know you don't want to say well was there a hold on that play was there not on the a hold on this play I don't think anybody wants that I don't think the NFL wants that I don't think players want that what I think people want. Is, a, is, is kind of some sort of measure that's put in place to where egregious oversights or errors can be cleaned up with more than a, a sorry. And what I mean by that is this, right. is you give, you give both teams the challenge flag. That's cool, right? But why should a coach have to challenge things that are egregiously like wrong and everybody can see it? What I would say is, is I say make every p- type of play um, be able to officially reviewed, not should it be able to be challenged by coaches. But I think that the NFL and wherever they're at should have the best officiate one single guy who is their best official, kind of like the AAF did where you got to see them and talk about it. And they can say they're throwing the challenge flag. Hey, there's a problem with the clock. Hey, the ball spotted on the wrong line. These are things that errors that are human mistakes. We're not saying this is tell that guy to pick up the flag, call a hold on that guy, but things that are so blatantly obvious, maybe there can be kind of like an orange flag that the NFL throws. Well, and what I do know or from what I've heard is that after two minutes, if you're in the final two minutes of each half, it is. It does go to a booth review, so it's not. Well, that's how it's the, been for challenges. But mate, why can't right. they do that? Why can't the NFL step in? What if there was a such a bad call, uh, like the coin flip, and you saw on the television that they called it the wrong way? Why can't they, with the technology, say, "Pause. Let's look at this real quick." Not a not fans, not players, not coaches, but like an objective party. Yeah, and you know, I, I well, I want to. I, I think that maybe what I what I heard was that there's going to be someone in New York doing a lot of this too. So, and then another thing is, I think that you only are limited to the amount of times that you can do it. So, if you're going to challenge, it, it's still a part of your three challenges that you have per game. So you need it, to save them. You need yeah, to save so, them. So you really have to judge. You know, all right, if you think that was a clear pass interference. You know, at what point in the game are you using it? Is it that important that you use it right now? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ins and outs to it. I'm not too concerned right now. I'm gonna worry and complain about it when I feel that it's a problem. But as of right now, it's it's too early to tell. 
just to remind people where the genesis of this uh, call has come from, is is from a rival. And like, look, as like Ken D says in the chat room, is that he says, look, nah, let's just all mug a Saints wide receiver in the alley at least twi- twice a year. You know, nobody, there's no law, love loss for uh, a mugging of any Saints player. Um, there's no love loss there, but we all kind of did see what happened with them and the Rams. And like, what I, what I always said is this, is I want the Saints to lose at every moment, but I also want to lose the, the, to them in a way I get to gloat. I get to gloat over how the Falcons lost in the Super Bowl. I don't get to gloat over how the, they lost, uh, the Saints lost in that NFC championship game, right? Is that it's like, uh, hey, I'm glad you guys aren't going to Super Bowl, can't win a Super Bowl, ha, 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 for that. But, man, was that a pass interference. I mean, Sean, Sean Payton did them no favors either, but, hey, I, I hear you. Right. We're on the same page. Right. All right. Uh, so, um, all right, next call. Next cat call. I think. Play. Hey, everybody. This is the world-famous Gico. What's up, First, G? Like, I know this has nothing to do with sports, but rest in peace to Nipsey uh, Hustle. I wasn't a All fan, right, but God bless his soul because he passed away. Um, now, on the football, um, your uh, tweet post about, you know, how that guy is taking this left tackle from, I don't know, he's in Washington State or, or somewhere some dude I never heard of before. My thing is, and I'm repeating what I said a couple weeks ago, who's who, what, what line should we take in the first round? This is for you too, Professor. Both of you guys, give me your honest opinion. Let's go offense or defense. Because offense, I still want the left tackle out of Alabama. But something's telling me that boy's not going to be there. Because I looked at Buck Brooks' uh, draft. You know, a little conspiracy, a little, little draft opinion, whatever. And he has Tampa taking them. You know, Tampa's right for us. I believe Tampa's like at 16. And then, you know, oh, for us at 16, I see some people saying we're going to get a left tackle. They're talking about this left tackle out of Washington, I think, or Ole Miss, one of the two. I still want yeah. the boy from Alabama. And another name that's been coming up a lot. Maybe you guys heard this dude is is the defensive end from Florida State, Brian Burns. I really don't know that much about this dude. His highlights look good, you know, but there's a lot of people saying we're gonna take him. I, I was not taking him over Montez Sweat. I, I just wouldn't. Even though some people say Sweat's gonna bust, you know, but I don't know personally, you know. Uh, and another thing. Everyone is jumping on the Cleveland Browns train. I'm happy for the Cleveland Browns, even though they beat us last year off some luck shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But uh, some people are wondering, you know, Duke Johnson wants out of – you see us, you know, give him a one-year deal to come to Carolina? Do you see that? To me, I don't see it happening because we just paid – we just resigned Cameron Artist Payne. I don't know why. And, you know, we resigned Elijah Hood, too. You know, so I don't know what the hell is going on. You know what I'm saying? So you guys give me your opinions on that, and always remember, man, keep pounding. All right, I'll start with this since you're you're kind of the the draft guy. Is this is that? Um, I I feel like you go offensive tackle if one of those kind of th- the if a guy slips to you, 
I yeah. don't think if I, I think that is if Dillard and Jonah Williams are gone, I don't know enough about the Dalton Reisner guy to say if he's round one, 16 pick, but I would hate for us to reach at tackle because the guys we wanted to slip didn't. So if, if one of those guys slips, I say, Hey, let's jump on that. Um, and that, I'm not saying they slip because of them. You know, all these things can happen from quarterback changes to weird crap in the first uh, first round. But if you are, have questions, if you're on that tier where that guy is not that blue chip, then I say, let's get the blue chip defensive end. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think what I'm going to do is, you know, we're, we're going to preview uh, in the weeks to come a few of the guys that, that Jay mentioned. Um, but what I'm going to do before the draft is I'm going to I'm going to really put all my chips on the table so that way everyone uh, in the C3 family knows what I'm thinking. Um, I'm going to put out a, a, the list of players, my preferred players that I hope we draft at 16, and then if those players aren't there, you know maybe trade back and, and what players to target at a later round. Um, I mean, yeah, G asked about a lot of different players, but Dalton Reisner was the the dude that he mentioned. And I'm, I'm high on Dalton. Um, he's uh, powerful, powerful. Um, and he went up against less than stellar competition. But when he did play people like a Montez Sweat, he held up very well and uh, and did very well in those uh, pass sets. Uh, so... I mean, there's a lot of different options, man. That's why I'm more excited about this draft than nearest prior because it's offensive line and defensive line more than likely that we're going to draft. And there's so many options for us to be able to jump in and grab that are – they're enticing, man. They're different looks than what we've had before. So I'm, I'm ready for it, man. All right, guys, that's the cat calls tonight. We want you to continue to be a part of the show. The number's 252-228-5098. You can call and leave a voicemail before next week's show, and we're going to continue to bring you more and more content as things ramp up. So we're here every Tuesday night. You'll get bonus stuff from us uh, as well at times. Um, We've had a great guest with Marcel Louis-Jacques tonight from The Observer. We're going to continue to bring you more guests going on the future. Go ahead, turn your phone portrait mode smash that thumbs up button if you like the content a lot of people a lot of positive things in the chat room we appreciate your support there susan dean's made it back uh from her wonderful beautiful vacation i saw that in cabo uh she's back stateside and she's supporting the podcast we thank you for that we thank everyone who's here week in and week out like underground west lynn ken d um panthers god fsu i know he's probably hype about some damn uh um, who's the guy? The I mean, uh, is the yeah. Oh, and to follow up on that, so we appreciate you guys. We can we want you to continue to be part of the show. Oh, look here, we got one. We got one call that came in. So let's go ahead and play it. Let's not wait until uh, next week. Let's see what we got. Maybe it's Carl D. Hey, what's up, guys? Nope. This is Carlton Cohen. It's Carlton Cohen. What's up, Carl? A really quick question, man. I feel like I am Rashawn Gold. Like I am obsessed with this guy. Nobody ever talks about him. Third round, <laughs> defensive back, hybrid, cornerback, safety, nickel, whatever. I want to see what this guy has. Uh, he seems like he's really physical, really tough. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I'm just curious. 
I cannot be the only fan clamoring to at least see Rashawn Golden on the field. If he fails, he fails. Come on. Carlton Cohen, great great comment there and one that is going to strike true to the heart of this show right here. What you had is uh, with Tony Dunn is a guy who was really excited about Rashawn Golden coming out of Tennessee. Uh, you look at him, and I just felt like even though none of his measurables were just insanely great, he just had an overall skill set and ball hawkish, a player that was going to contribute. I think this is, yes, third-round pick. Do you want – look, there was just so much instability in that secondary last year with a team that is never really we- willing to put in players that are young like that into really large roles unless they absolutely have to. So I think that probably people set expectations too high, and I think that the mistake people have made on Rayshon Golden is is because they didn't see anything that, that, that blew him away in his rookie year that they think he's a bust already. And I'm going to tell you this is that a third round pick rarely comes in. And maybe, maybe you can say this is that you can find a third round safety who comes in and has a great year and this and that. And he didn't, but I don't think it's a player alone that determines how well they can fit in the NFL. I think that them coming into a good situation with players that can help uh, kind of mask some of their inexperience early on, could do that but we did not have that we're we're a team that had to go and get our best defensive back in eric reed in like week six or week five and and that was a guy who hadn't even played in the nfl for a whole damn year so to me i am not ready to write rayshon golden off i don't think that we are in emergency mode as much as people um have portrayed we will see when it comes to the draft though how the carolina panthers truly feel about him because if you don't see them going after a safety in rounds one or two or three, I would say even three, anything after three, I think is a, is an endorsement for Golden at this point that you put enough pieces around him. You think you can work with him. Cody, your thoughts on Rayshon Golden. Well, it's hard to have a lot of strong thoughts on Golden just because you haven't seen him. And I, I maintained this also that, you know, so, you no, know, another guy, Corn Elder, a lot of people remember him for being burned oh. against uh, Seattle. Totally uh, unfair. When they, when, they, when they put him outside. And this is my number one rule when evaluating players. You never judge a player by their first year in the NFL. By the way, that goes on both ends of the spectrum, too. If that player was absolute trash that year or if they were an all-star player that just dominated up and down. I want to be able to see a player – be able to bounce back and, and do things differently. And historically, there have been players that had a very slow start and that went on to have all pro careers. So I don't know um, what to make of Golden right now. I hope that he has um, an opportunity at least to um, try and move into one of those safety spots um, uh, opposite of Reed. And uh, you're right, if, if we don't draft one, um, sometime by the third round where we have two picks, then they probably do uh, value Golden as a uh, potential starter in our defense. But I do have a feeling if you listen at the players that we're bringing in, um, Taylor Rapp out of Washington, I, I do have a very uh, strong suspicion that at some point in this year's draft, the Panthers are going to grab a safety and I'm around – 90% sure that they are. Well, 
I, I think it would be a mistake to give up on a young player this quickly. I think uh, is that even going back, first of all, is that with current Corn Elder as well, is that I think the coaching staff threw him under – Ron Rivera threw him under the bus after that game where they put him in a possible situation. Yeah. But at, at the same time, is that, yeah, it's a high-profile play. If you judge a player by their worst play, then, that, that's, then of course, you're going to cut everybody, it feels like. Um, but when it comes to Galden, is that we just don't even know at this point. And, you know, you're putting in a young player. You know that rookies. Look at Christian McCaffrey. Just look at Christian yeah. McCaffrey. A top 10 pick. And even the game for him was faster his rookie year than he wanted it to be. He tried, He said that he was trying to do too much. Like, it's about feel. And so you're talking about a player who is good, and and Galden, but not of a top ten type pick, and you want him to perform uh, in a, in a secondary that is in shambles and a defense that was in shambles. Tell me one player that played great on the defense other than Luke Keekley last year, and even Luke Keekley wasn't Luke Keekley last year, despite his numbers being Luke Keekley esque. Yeah, I mean, it was drafted in the third round for a reason, and he was a developmental player. Um, it's around this time, though, that you do want to see that development. Um, is it going to pan out or bust? And, um, yeah, I, I want to know about him, and hopefully uh, by the time the preseason rolls around, we'll be able to see some more things from him that we decide that uh, we love or we can live without. All right. Um, you know, Underground West did he says this CMC really elevated his game after his rookie year. It's true is that he is a tremendous player right now. Looks like he's gonna be a top top offensive player in the league if he wasn't already. That um, Ken D says did Ben Ben A Ben Wickery just come blazing through just now? And if he did, I would say hell yeah, that's Sticky Wicky. He's been on the podcast twice. <laughs> he might have only been on once. It was him. Demir Bird's been on twice. No, Demir Bird's been on twice. But yeah, is um, we yeah we've been cooking for six years. We're the best kept secret in Panther Nation, the C three Panthers podcast. You just also, heard why. Quick, shout out to Susan Deans. I, I'm I'm not gonna let this go because we came through uh, another Tuesday in a row with a, a love bomb in the chat, and, and we love her for it. We hope you had a wonderful vacation, Susan. Thank you for the support. She watch from Cabo. I know, man. That's a look. Is that not a dedicated fan to what we're doing here, Tony? I mean, come on, man. That is uh, a that's that's a dedicated uh, fan, but a testament to our product, C3 Panthers Podcast. Bye, fans, four fans. You can be a part of the show. Call into the cat calls line 252 228 5098. All right. Uh, two last things we got to do. We got to do the ice up pick, but I got to ask you a question here since we've been talking Clemson Tigers so much. Oh, I yeah. have a big and important subject that I think that, I mean, it's really a calling in my life. And that is, I believe that lions are imposter Kings and that the true King of the jungle is the tiger. So we're bringing this up because we brought, we, we talked Clemson tigers tonight, but now I just get to talk about tigers for a second. Are <laughs> you with me? Are tigers, who is the true king of the jungle, the tiger or the lion? Of course it's a tiger, man. Of course it is. Listen, you're talking about a bear, a bigger cat 
they can swim faster, jump higher, they, they have more body mass, uh, they're, they're more athletic as an animal. I, I mean, and there's no doubt in my mind that the, the tiger is a far superior animal. And, and yeah, the lion, I'm not, I've never been fit on the lion. All right, I'm going to tell you guys why. And the reason I'm, we're going into this is that there is the Clemson Tiger connection right there. I'm going to say this, Marcel Louis-Jacques, true king. That right there is a true king. Cody Lashney, true king. People in the chat room, true kings. And this is what I mean by what a true king is. A true king is a true king, just like that of the, of the tiger, where there is some imposter somewhere taking the credit, but the true king reigns and lives on his own now i'm going to explain to you why the tiger is truly the true king of the jungle number one point geography lions don't even live in the jungle they live in the grasslands the savannah grasslands right now tigers actually live in junk in the jungle they rule over their kingdom number two you mentioned this physical superiority they are bigger animals they're more athletic they run high, faster they jump higher uh, they they even they hunt their own. Uh, maybe it is regal for a king to make all the ladies to do the work like a lion does, but a tiger straight can beast on these mugs. They are fantastic animals. You look at them, beautiful, elegant, powerful, fierce, all of those things. Number three reason is YouTube it. Just YouTube tiger versus lion and the tiger going on. They just, they mess them up, man. They mess them up all the time. So on one, one to one, head to head. So really right now we've got geography. We've got physical superiority. We've got YouTube battles all in the tiger favor. Really only things going for the lion at this point is they got that mane, right? That silly mane that kind of looks like a, a crown. Uh, they make all the other people do the work. That's kingly. I would say that's regal. But here is my fourth and final reason. Pop culture icons. Pop culture icons. You tell me, who is cooler, Tony the Tiger or the Cowardly Lion? Who is cooler, the Detroit Tigers or the Detroit Lions? Who is cooler, the Clemson Tigers or who's a lion around uh, in in college football? Exactly. Who knows? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares, man? Listen, Tigers take this hands down. It's not even close. You've been lied to since you've been a child when you were told that the lion is the king of the jungle. They're lazy. They're they're nowhere near the athlete. They're nowhere near as dominant. It's a tiger, baby. Tiger all day. Remember, folks, in life, be a true king, not an imposter king. That's what the C3 Panthers podcast is, full of true kings. Chat room, full of true kings. You listen to the podcast, you are a true king. Thank you. All right, so that was the side side thing. Um, all right, so we've done we've done the cat calls. We've done we've we've scouted a guy. We've had a great uh, with Cleveland, Furl, Cleveland, 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 Furl. Um. We've scouted these guys. We've had a great interview. Marcel, Louis, Jacques, we've had great comments in the chat room. Now it's time for the final segment. The final segment where people want to know the, the, what everybody loves is, uh, oh, as Ken D said, Nittany Lions. Well, I would say this is Clemson just uh, done overtook them as a football program in just the last decade. 
Like, hello. I mean, I mean how many national championships you got to win, like, in a row to become, to overtake a historic I mean, program? Who haven't we overtaken, baby? I mean, come yeah. on, man. What more do we got to do? But yeah, uh, there, there's a few other ones, but yeah, man. Tigers. And it's not even Clemson. LSU Tigers, Missouri Tigers, the, the Tiger, even in football, Tiger mascots are traditionally the more dominant. Mascot. What is are the are is Auburn Tigers? Yeah, Auburn Tigers. Yeah, there you go. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, man, come on. That's How about this? Cam Newton, true king. Truest of them all. Yes, the truest <laughs> of them all. All right, this is where we uh the final segment of the show, the longest running segment, something that we've been doing forever. And it's our homage to Steve Smith. This is where we tell someone in the world to ice up. And that means to get your shit together or to come correct or whatever term that you you like, right? And and that is everybody is fair game. I've iced up a 12-year-old kid in Oklahoma before. We've iced up politicians. We've iced up our neighbors. I iced up my own 11-year-old kid. I've iced up myself. Everybody is fair game. I've got a detailed and tough one this week that I need your patience with. So, Cody... Do you want to go before that or after that? No, I'll go first if uh, if you're, especially if you're not ready. And mine is a is a, it's a little bit different. It's an ice up, but it's also an indifference with my ice up. And I also want to pose a question to the chat. But I'm icing up the 2019 draft hat because you know what, man? I don't know that I hate it, and I hope this shows up on the on the screen. I don't know that I hate it, but I don't love it, man. And and shout out to New Era. They're trying to do some different stuff um, and and have a, a nice-looking hat. Um, but I don't know, man. This just seems like something you find at a at a thrift store when you're – or at a store when you're, when you're visiting North Carolina for the first time or South that. Carolina. I mean, I don't know. It's not terrible, but I don't know, man. That doesn't – say badass when you're putting it on you're drafted by the panthers i don't know i'm not i'm not loving this i want to know if yeah lynn hates it uh terrible draft absolutely hate the draft hat i'm i'm not really uh feeling it myself and you know especially when you uh look at some of the other hats that some of the other teams have out there um detroit has a nice one um seattle is all right I don't know, man. It seems like two years in a row, we've had hats that are just bad. They're, they're not – I don't know. What am I missing, Tony? What am I missing? I, I don't know. Is that I, I've seen – I saw the fallout from this on the internet today. Is that is that I think that one person put out the initial tone of the very first tweet suggested that that person didn't like it, and then that did take off. These uh, these hats as a group overall have had a negative reception among fans. Uh, you know, a lot of duds, and I don't think it is as bad as people are making out. Um, I I think this. I, speaking of, is that sadly I like the Lions one out of out of the group out of all the junk we just talked about. Lions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think this is awful, but I also think this is like half the hats that mugs wear are terrible. Half the hats that are on people's heads are awful by nature, but just yeah. because they spent 45 bucks for them, they think they're cool. 
Now, I actually like this one that I got at a game. You know why I like it? It's in this camo style. It's all this cool. It's this. But you know what? The snapback was free. Just dude sitting beside me got two at the team store and gave me one. I was like, damn, you a true king. Ha, 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 he's a true king. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, uh, nearby says it looks like something you could pick up at the gas station. And that's my point. That man. Might be, you know, okay, I will give you guys that. Yeah, is that if it was a big release party, this might be disappointing. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there are some that look tough, you know? And uh, yeah, and even if you look back at last year, I, I didn't. It, two states, one team. It just said it in words. It didn't even have our logo on it. This is two years in a row that I'm just confused, confused, confused. I, I'm not feeling it. Um, no one in the chat has yet to say they're feeling it. So to whoever designed this hat for New Era and the Panthers, ice up, son. Yeah, you know what you guys got to do is stop trying too hard. And and the yeah. two-state thing, the two-state thing is a cool thing among Panther fans, but you don't have to overdo it. In yeah. fact, uh, look at the first OG original Carolina Cat Chronicles shirt, the voice of Panther Nation, right? One nation, one voice on the back, and it shows the two states. So that brings in the concept of two states, but it just doesn't go like, hey, don't forget, we're a team that has two states. We got to remember that people in South Carolina, we love you too. North Carolina, we love you too. Like, it's just a little overdone. That's what yeah. I would say. I, I already have a better idea. Why not a white hat with a pound and drum in the middle with the two drumsticks on the bottom kind of cross. That would be the best. That would be the dopest shit imaginable. New Aaron needs to sign my paycheck. I'm here, man. Hit me up. But to whoever did this, man, no one, no one is a fan of it. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're icing it up. Okay, so, um, all right, my ice up pick is kind of a piggyback off of last week, right? And it is going to take a little time, folks, so please bear with me. But last week... I iced up uh, people, audiobook readers, because I've I listen to. Uh, I, first of all, I listen to podcasts all the time. My kids hate me, like because all I do is listen to talk radio. I listen to NPR. I listen to podcasts all day long. When I'm in the car, when I'm walking the dog, I'm, and uh, you know, sometimes look, I'm a historian. What I do for a living is is I read and write and teach about real nonfiction reality stuff right and when i was in graduate school we were just i'd read so many books write so long by the end of the semester you just brain your brain dead but i love to read i love i love like this i'm always reading and and even what i'm reading about sports is 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 non-fiction so you know sometimes i take a breather i take a respite and i and i, I read some like kind of campy novel right and uh, and so this is what I did is I got the library app. I finally got the lady at the library to help me get my app working where I can rent these audio books for free because I don't ever pay for anything. That's the other thing. That's why Marcel Louis Jacques, you got to listen to this. If I subscribe to your to your content, you know, that's a big deal because I'm one cheap ass mofo. So I use the public library. I'm listening to this audio book. I told you last week it was kind of weird hearing these audio writer readers uh, trying to big manly cool voices, trying to be like women voices a little bit and mess with their intonation. But this ice up pit goes where I got it written down. 
I don't even remember the guy's name. The guy's name is Stephen James, author of Singularity. All right. And let me just tell you about this is that the book, just to set the scene a little bit, the book is about this. Um, and I wish I would have brought the little, oh, I got the snippet right here is I got the, the, the app pulled up uh, and I'll tell you exactly what the details that it says on like, if you pull up the, the, like the, the, whatever it tells, like the short blurb of the abstract, when his friend is murdered, illusionist Jevin Banks is determined to find out what really happened drawn into a web of conspiracy and top secret research on human. And then it goes on to talk about like how it's about like, I love anything about uh, AI future robotic people and stuff like this. So I'm like, I'm in now Jevin Banks. The protagonist of this story is a, Las Vegas magician performer at this big whatever. And he finds himself in this big conspiracy and him and his team of people are going to his assistant is one of these people. This lady Fiona is a single mother and computer hacker that works for him on the side for some reason. And her, her servant kids are helping them undo, to, to kind of take away this crime or f- find this crime out and all of this stuff, kind of Terminator. They're looking into Terminator AI and things like this. All right. So this fine. It's fine. It's kind of campy. I understand that. That's what I want about it. And, and me, to make fun of, of a person who's written a novel that has a lot of layers, um, has a lot of development, a lot of hard work, and, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not like, I mean, I'm not going to say you can read this and you can be like, oh, this is fantastic, but I don't think you'd say it's awful at the same time. So I'm usually cautious in being critical of people who have big, comp- big accomplishments like completing a novel. You know, the difference between someone who's completed a novel and who has, and who has an idea for one is one did it. Yeah. So now here's the deal, though. Is that in this book, though, at one point, this girl, Fiona, she is a homeschool, she's a computer hacker, homeschools her kids. She uh, says that she does not encourage her kids to read the classics. So then in this, in this book, they take a little, she explains why she doesn't want, she doesn't encourage her kids to read the classics, citing, hey, that they're overrated that they're not really uh, written as but best as they could because of the lack of editorial process. But here's one, too. Here's a little clip of the reading right really, here. That wasn't the case a couple hundred years ago. She's talking about Today's why the classics are aren't great. for people's attention against millions of other writers, billions of websites and blogs, not to mention video games, television, Facebook, updates, tweets, movies, and so on. They have to be better just to survive. What about the test of time? Remember how she told us that the catcher in the rye and Silas Marner hadn't stood the test of time? Well, she says that the test of time is if people in the future still want to read a book and don't just do so under threat of punishment. A bad grade. Exactly. A book you're forced to read but would never read if you had the choice hasn't stood the test. So Poe's stories have stood the test of time. All right, so here, I'm going to pause it right there. 
So she then, this author takes the moment to not only just make this kind of a, a part of the storyline because they mention it earlier in the book, but then they really come back and spend probably like three or four pages, if the guy's reading it, um, talking about why this. So it's kind of like the author of this book taking a jab at some of the greatest novels and writers of the past and saying that they really don't hold up when you look at the quality of them because they lacked essentially the competition that a writer would, I would say he is implying he faces. Now, that's a bold and audacious move, particularly when this was an earlier passage from your book. I look at the man the bartender pointed out. That's Sorry, it. I was recording this in my but truck. My gaze quickly drifts to the gorilla who's checking out Charlene. His muscle t-shirt looks like it might have been painted across his chiseled chest. He has me by at least Mc- 50 pounds. He would ah! put down if I needed to, but I figure I could do it. Martial arts versus brawn. Brawn is going down every time, unless he knows martial arts too. That wouldn't play out so well for me. In answer to my question, the bartender says, that's the guy who can lead you to him. It gets even better. Sorry, I'm like driving and recording. You don't want to meet Solomon. Before I can reply, the man who can't keep his eyes off Charlene. This is where it gets really good. Honey, why don't you pull your stool a little closer? This is that weird. A couple of the guys nearby him grin. No, thank you, she tells him, then lowers her voice and turns to me. Chevin, I think. What? You too good for me? I won't bite. He glances toward his buddies. Unless you're into that. They <laughs> chuckle and give more of their attention to the interchange. It gets so good, right? Here. No, I'm sorry, you got to hear the whole thing. She stands. He goes on. I think I could... But I cut in. The lady said no. The lady said no, pal. Now that he's not simply coming on to her, but also putting on a show for his buddies. And that means he'll probably be less willing to accept no for an answer than if he were alone and simply looking for someone to take home. Whenever a guy has an audience, he's much more motivated to want to save face. Hey, he appraises coldly. You might best keep out of this. This is where it gets awesome. I'm sorry, this is I'm great. I'm having a conversation over here, I tell him. And neither my friend nor I are interested in being interrupted by you anymore. Jevin, Charlene puts Stop, her hand on my shoulder. Stop, Jevin. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm he leers at her. I can show you what a real man is. This is great she writing. It clear, I tell him firmly, that she doesn't want to chat. A gentleman respects a woman's wishes. They're in a shady bar. He's giving him a gentleman scolding. Oh, Jevin, why did you have to go and say that? Are you trying to start something, boy? I don't start fights, I say. I end them. I end them. Now, all the people on this side of the room have turned heads and are facing us. I don't take my eyes off the man who was disrespecting Charlene. Well, he grins and holds his hands out to the side, inviting me to push him or throw a punch. 
What are you gonna do about it? Whatever I have to. Two of his friends Whatever push I have back to. their bar stools and stand. The guy glares at me. Who exactly do you think you are? A man who doesn't like to see people get hurt. Then stay out of this. I stand up. Sometimes I don't get but what I want. But I don't want. always get what I want. <laughs> he follows suit, <laughs> rising, and then straightening up to his full height. He peers menacingly down at me and cracks his neck. Okay, this guy is really big. Whoa. I lower myself to get into a stance for Taekwondo. <laughs> he swings at me and I duck, evade the punch, and get ready to do a knife hand strike to the back of his Okay. That's it. Sorry it was so long. But so when I first heard this passage, A, I was dying. I was dying, right? Is that he's like the chivalrous guy. He's like, hey, don't talk to the lady like that, pal. And then the guy stands up and cracks his neck. It's like the most campy thing. And right, and I'm under I'm trying to be forgiving. It was overall, it was an awful book. But then when he says, I got down in my Taekwondo stance and ducked his punch and knife hand him to the neck. I was like, oh my God. But later in the book, he then chastises. He takes this moment to talk about how the classics are overrated and how they're not well written. Buddy, pal, the classics like martial arts win over brawn every time. To you, I say eyes up. Eyes up. What is that? What is the name of this? The name of the book is called Singularity, and it's by a guy by the name of Stephen Stephen uh, James. James. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like about this. It's about like uh, a technology where they're trying to get your mind to control like artificial intelligence, basically making us machines and and, yeah. and kind of. Cool. If you are interested in an AI book that is kind of cool, that is not cheesy, one that I thought was really good is called Control Alt Revolt. It had me at the title. I was all in. <laughs> Control Alt Revolt is about a machine dope. uprising and how and it's all total Terminator stuff. And if you saw uh, Rich Kingston's post today about the Amazon uh, big old bub. Uh, what are those things? The not the, the blimps with all the little machines coming out of it and then coming back to it. Man, John Connor, we need you, brother. Fate is what you make. Right. Yeah, it appears that way. All right, that's the C Three Panthers podcast. Sorry that took so long, but boy, Jevin Banks, Magic Man, Judo, uh, Taekwondo master. I feel like he just is like, let me make Steven Seagal a, uh, a magician. <laughs> All right. Which, by the way, would be the best thing ever. Because uh, Steven Seagal is the most unintentionally hilarious person that has maybe ever lived ever. So, Dude. yeah, I'm down for that. Huge fan, personally. Used to love Under Sieges. All of them. Love them. All right, that's the C3 Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me at cat underscore chronicles. Cody, where can they hit you up and talk some football? At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. 
Cody Lack on Twitter. There's a brand new draft tomorrow on DraftTech.com, and I've written up a little bit about the first and our second round player. It's another defensive end prospect that we've talked about. Uh, we didn't preview him tonight, but we did talk about him a little bit. If you're curious about him, check out Draft Tech tomorrow morning, um, Wednesday, every Wednesday. And uh, that's about it, man. All right. Well, we'll see you next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Uh, hit Cody up and let him know who you want to preview. We got a couple weeks to burn before the draft, and then we'll track down some guests. What I'd love to do is that if we figure out who you guys want a little bit early enough to really know about, we'll go track down a reporter who works covering that school and maybe get them on the C3 Panthers podcast to help us give you the information you want. Till next Tuesday, make sure you subscribe, share, let somebody know, and always make sure to remain and to be like Cam Newton, true king. True king. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.